This is the second of a two-part season premiere of Season 6 of My Favourite Game. If you want to go back and listen to the first part of this two-part premiere, then check out PlayDiaries.com and all the podcast platforms for all the details. Here is the second part of our season premiere. Ethel Freel on Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3, like especially. So I always try and encourage this now whenever someone goes through a playthrough of Mass Effect 3, whether that's for the first time or for a new run through with the Legendary Edition. For the love of Christ, please, 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 I beg you, if you trust me on one thing, if you take my advice on one thing, Please play Citadel before the end of the game. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That should be like a mandatory warning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, it makes such a huge difference. It's such, it's, oh, it's, oh. <laughs> I, I could literally do an entire episode of my favorite game on Citadel. I feel like I could. So it's, it's the best DLC ever made. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I would say the the best, but it's certainly like top three at least with um ma- uh, not mass uh GTA's four GTA four stuff like especially Gate Only and oh. The Last of Us Left Behind. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Like, but I yeah. mean, it's like especially if you play it toward before the end of the game, like you said, because it's the perfect reprieve from the stress that you are you know going up against and it's such a perfect idea like I don't know how they even pitched this it was just you know let's just have fun (laughs) like this is such a tense game you just like you're literally preparing for war the whole game um and the stakes are so high as we've said and there's so much pressure and then Citadel DLC is just do you want to have fun (laughs) it's like it's it's wonderful like the clone storyline is hilarious um you know, Shepard's lines in this are hilarious. <laughs> and like, and of course you get everyone together for the party. And and it's also, um, it's it's kind of tinged with sadness because if you're playing it before the end of the game and you get these little moments of the characters, you do feel like you're maybe saying goodbye. Mm, ex- exactly, um, exactly. That's sort of why I love Citadel so much because it feels yeah. like such a goodbye moment, but 
also in a way that really doesn't take itself too seriously. Whereas, you know, the game up until that point, albeit with a few moments here and there, it is very serious and for yeah. good reason. And the DLCs especially as well. But with this, it's not as serious. It takes it takes the piss, it takes the mick out of itself. Like, it's just basically, like, I don't know how else I would describe it, but the only way I, I think I can sort of describe it is if basically Mass Effect just basically sort of, if you were sort of held in, in a pod and then you just sort of have these sort of things stuck to your head and instead mm-hmm. of the sort of big drama, Mass Effect is just this big, massive comedy type thing. Yes, exactly. It's like they made Mass Effect into a comedy. And it's so it's so meta as well. It's so self-referential. Like, there's isn't there a moment where Shepard's like, I don't sound like that. Do I sound like that? And then, and then like she starts repeating her lines as like, I don't sound like that. Exactly. Like, like <laughs> so I, should go. I should go. I should go. I should go. I should go. <laughs> yeah. I should go. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. It's so well done. It's so funny. It's like, so cheek. <laughs> like I, like I actually put it. I, I put together a small video. I put it in Twitter. Like after I finished up Legendary Edition, and it's just for me. I think what makes Citadel so perfect is uh, some of the stuff I put in the in the video of all the clips. Like it's the humor, the fan service, like. It really makes it worthwhile. And like, it's not just the likes of, you know, Shepard just basically going, I should go, do I really sound like that? <laughs> and just sort of lampooning themselves and stuff like that there. But also moments like the party and the apartment yes. and Shepard's really bad dance just going, Yes! Like, <laughs> I'll just take the piss out of her. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Joker, Joker as well is just like, Oh, he's relentless. <laughs> he, he, he's relentless in that DLC. It's just like, especially during the party, and he just gives this massive two-minute long laugh. Yes. About him dancing. It's just like... <laughs> oh, I mean, it's so, like, it's so... It's so respectful of the bond you have with these characters as well. Because it's like, this, this kind of DLC wouldn't make sense if... Or maybe it would, but I don't think it would, it would mean as much if you hadn't played one and two. Mm. Um, but like, they really like they understand what mm. you've been through with these characters and that you care about them and that you're trying to protect them. And yeah, this was the perfect, perfect way to get everybody in one place, just have fun with it, but also, you know, kind of reference the connections that you've built up. Mm. Oh, it's great. Such a great idea. <laughs> And, and another thing I have to mention about Citadel as well that I absolutely adore is, again, because it goes back to that sort of element of not taking himself too seriously, being this sort of funny lampoon of what Mass Effect is. Yes. <laughs> There's this moment in uh, where you're a new human trainer, specialist trainer, and she's in the sort of chess tournament. And like, oh, yeah. And then you're and you're meant to meet with her for lunch. It's like, oh shit! I was I was I was meant to be at meeting you for lunch rather than take part in this uh, chess thing. And then her biggest rival and competitor just comes up and goes, "Well, you you'll be joining her soon enough." And it's just it just sort of turns off that it's, it's sort of spaghetti western like yes. standoff. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I'd forgotten about that part. It was so good. <laughs> and and it's somehow. 
sometimes, and I know this because inadvertently, I ended up dating Trainer in Mass Effect 3. Oh my God, so did I. Shepard I- basically gives off the sort of, there's this line Shepard says basically where if you don't beat her, um, uh, what was what was the line? I'm trying to think of the line, but I know it's at the tip of my tongue. Basically, my bed's only for winners. And it yes. goes back to that sort of spaghetti western aspect. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 I accidentally ended up dating trainers. <laughs> Trainer was sneaky. Okay. <laughs> it was. Yeah. She was sneaky. I didn't mean to date her. I was just trying it on for sure. <laughs> Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. But I think that sort of speaks to what Citadel as a piece of content sort of stands for because it is. Oh, I don't know if I have any other words to sort of describe Citadel other than it being one of the best DLCs of all time. Like for certainly in the top three, anyway, at least in my opinion, anyway. Because like for me, it builds on that world build, uh, not even necessarily world building, uh, character building. Like it, it, it absolutely epitomizes once and for all, and what is basically the last big content drop that team did for the trilogy. Yeah. It epitomizes how beloved these characters are, how beloved the story is, and just how well meant they are. Because, like for me, Citadel is just. There are so many words I could sort of lavish praise on, but I would be here for hours and hours upon <laughs> hours, basically, so I won't. But, like, Citadel is, for me, so strong, so powerful, and, like, it's the opposite of what Mass Effect is, but it works. It just works, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. It's the opposite, it's, especially for 3. It's the opposite of what that game is, mm. and yet it, it's perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, my friend who first introduced me to Mass Effect, um, she was so excited for me to play it, <laughs> and like with good reason because yeah, it's you're you're not ready for it, you know, like you're not ready for you. You're in this really tense game, like high pressure, war is coming, war is here actually. Gotta you know get all my resources, and then it's just like from the minute the Citadel starts, it's taking the piss. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> it's just oh. Like there is, oh no, no. If I, if I start, I'll I'll keep going all night, <laughs> and like we'll be here until basically sunrise tomorrow morning <laughs> d- d- doing so. So I won't get into it, but like, yeah, that like if you really need such, go, play Citadel. Just play Citadel like before the game comes to head. And I think on that aspect, like it, it's it's fitting that I mentioned it because like Citadel, I think for me is such a massive, massive, massive do-good moment for Bioware in terms of, or not do-good, sorry, but make-good moment in terms of what happened a year earlier with the ending, because like the ending was, I'll, like I've said this before, I, I did not like the ending of Mass Effect 3, but at the same time, I'm hardly going to go knocking on Bioware's door and say, change <laughs> the ending. I, I did not pay £40 for this ending. I did not pay for such stakes or such a payoff to happen. No, this is my story. How dare, wait, how dare you change the ending? No, I did not like the ending, but I'm not going to knock up my words. Don't just say change the ending. Right. I dare And I think for me, actually, Citadel actually makes the ending feel a lot more 
I don't know if I would say I'd still necessarily like the ending, but at least justifies the ending a little bit. It feels like mm-hmm. the ending is a bit more worthwhile than it was before Citadel came out. Anyway, and, before, and like after Expanded uh, Cut came out. Um, so I guess in that aspect, and like on the ending, like talk to me about endings. And because like as a writer, like I know this much, endings are hard to do. But with, mm-hmm. but with Mass Effect, there is weight. Again, again, it comes back to the weight aspect of it because, like, the judge, uh, um, the um, consequences, stakes, and stuff like that there. And, yeah, I mean, like, we know endings are hard to write. How mm-hmm. hard, though? Yeah, it's interesting. So I... Um... I, <laughs> controversial opinion, but um, I kind of figured the endings were what I expected them to be. Um, like you get your three choices, which makes sense because you've had three choices all the way through from the start. Um, and I know, I think this, I think endings are hard, you're right. But I think this ending was particularly hard because um, it's ending three games. And also, um, didn't they have part of it leaked like pretty close to launch yes that's right i think they had to make some big changes last minute and that's not fun (laughs) um so i'm really i'm actually really curious like what the original intention was and how much this these endings deviated but like you know the destroy destroying the reapers is what you wanted from the beginning right Mm. so you think yes gonna destroy Totally. That's what I'm here for. Don't talk to me about anything else. I'm going to destroy the Reapers. But um, you're, you know, it's presented as maybe the best choice. Um, but you're also given reason to pause and to think about it. You know, it means that you are going to destroy all synthetic life. Um, and who are you to make that choice? So, you know, I, I, I can understand how, you know, you've been fighting for this this whole time so maybe players wanted it to feel like more of a victory and wanted it to be more kind of conclusive um i had chosen and i first played through i was paragon and um i wanted to destroy the reapers because Mm. that's what i'm here for and i had built up enough of the readiness or whatever it was so that my shepherd lived at the end and I was delighted. So for me, that was kind of like the best ending, even though it's also grim. Like, I feel like it's my canon ending. Mm. But um, in my Renegade playthrough, I, I ended up choosing Synthesis. Mm. And I think that was probably an odd choice for the for my Renegade chef, but I never tried the other ending. So I was like, let's just see what it's like. And I regretted it instantly. <laughs> um, like, it felt like it felt wrong for me to choose that all of life would become part organic and part synthetic. You know, it was kind of, I think it was presented as the ultimate, like, why not both um, cop out? But, but I felt wrong about it, even though it's probably technically speaking, one of the better endings because nobody gets hurt. But mm. in, in a way, I guess everybody gets hurt too. Uh, everyone is forever changed. But um and I never chose control because I never, it never felt right to me that Shepard would control the Reapers. Like that's not who she was. Um, but it's, it, it's interesting too, because in the end, it's kind of maybe the most noble choice because mm. you sacrifice yourself or Shepard sacrifices herself 
um, by becoming an AI and, um, you know, everyone is fine. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I never, I've never tried the refusal ending. I didn't even know about it. I found out about that online. And I don't understand what happens then if you refuse. What happens to the Reapers? Uh, I think basically they just sort of do as they said they were going to do. I think they just sort of destroy across each life. Uh, not destroy across each life. But just, just basically destroy. They just basically keep going as, as they were meant to anyway. And mm-hmm. there's this bit at the end where Liara sort of plays this sort of message for those far, far, far flung in the future who have to take on the Reapers and just say, this is the mistakes we made. This is what we did. And then it goes off credits. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that sounds right either for Shepard because Shepard didn't go through three games to say, nah, the end. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's interesting. I think I agree with you. Endings are definitely hard. Um, and this one had so much to wrap up and and like the Reaper threat was presented so credibly throughout all the games. And then it was, the stakes were huge. Like the end of this game, like Earth is on fire, <laughs> just like it was at the start. Um, like people are dying and you have to, you have to put a stop to this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what I would have done differently because I, I wonder what other options were there. I think the control option makes sense because that's what like Darren thought he was doing in, in one joy option of course makes sense that's what you're here to do Hmm. i thought the synthesis option was very interesting because i don't think and unless i maybe i missed something but i don't think i mean organic and synthetic life were always kind of presented um at odds with each other throughout Hmm. the series and for some reason i I didn't see it coming that one of the options would be let's just bring them together and everyone's going to be fine (laughs) Um, but I think, yeah, it's kind of, it was an interesting commentary on like, you can solve problems by merging them. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think, it doesn't feel like it was a good option. I tried it just to see what would happen and it didn't feel good. Like seeing everybody kind of get taken over and become something new, kind of rub me the wrong way. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what other options there could have been and what options players wanted to see that they didn't get to see like did they want destroy to feel like more of a victory i i'm not i'm not too sure if that would have been right because a lot of these games are about sacrifice as well so Mm. so yeah (laughs) Uh, what 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 did you hate about it tell me (laughs) i think now i have a better understanding of it but it feels like at the time at the time anyway It felt like there was not enough of a weight to the choices I made at the time. I think that was sort of a, the more common criticism of the end. It just felt like a lot of this, a lot of the things that I had done at that point, whether by accident or uh, by choice, had been made moot essentially. I see. Um, but 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 again, that's that was probably one of the more common criticisms that they're in the face. To be fair, the expanded, um, not the expanded, um, thing, uh, the, the, the extended cut. Mm. I think I think gave me a bit more of um understanding and sympathy of what Bioware tried to do with them. Because again, endings uh, are hard, and it gave me a better understanding to what they tried to do with it. 
And like all they did with the extended cut was just basically add on two or three uh, something like cutscenes with each ending and then a more expanded upon epilogue or something like that there. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of give more of a, give more context to each ending. And like at that point, I was like, yeah, I, I'm still not all the way there, but I get it. I get right. it. And now playing through, I'll say this much, when I played through uh, Mass Effect 3 originally, like nearly 10 years ago at this point, it was, I don't know if I would necessarily say I, I was angry, because I wasn't angry, but I was, I was annoyed. I was, mm-hmm. I was definitely annoyed, but I wasn't angry, just very annoyed. <laughs> right. But when I played through Mass Effect, when I finished up Mass Effect 3, playing the legendary just earlier this year i actually was somewhat emotional because mm-hmm. I, I, I think maybe maybe it was to do with the fact that i was playing all these games back to back to back and near enough one sitting on no not one sitting but like and basically one go basically mm-hmm. like over the course of what was it 10 days two weeks something like that there um and what stuck out for me is how emotional I felt like finishing up Mass Effect 3 at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. Like it, it was, it, it felt like I was 21 when I when I finished up Mass Effect 3. I'm 30 now, and I I think I realized that yeah, at that time I was definitely annoyed, but now looking back upon it, it was just like yeah, but do I want to spend my time being annoyed, having this much energy wasted on being annoyed on such an ending for a video game? And I think also as well, I think the fact that I was playing Citadel before the end of the game especially helped add to that. Mm-hmm. I think that was the sort of turning point as well. Because like before um, playing the end of the game 10 odd years ago, there was no sort of goodwill there. I mean, not yeah. goodwill there, but like um, at least there was no, there was no, for lack of a better term, there was no goodwill there when you're playing something like Citadel. Whereas with Legendary Edition, I, I, was, I was playing through Citadel just before the end of the game. I made, and like I said, I made sure to play Citadel at towards the end of the game anyway because it feels a lot more worthwhile. Yeah. It actually, it actually for me justifies the ending a little more. I think so. I think for me, it, it Citadel did a lot more to help sort of soften my stance on the ending a lot more than it did 10 odd years ago, even with the extended condition. Like the extended condition, it gave context and made me sort of think, all right, I still don't like it, but at least I have a little understanding of it now. Whereas with Citadel, I can just, it made me realize. Um, it made me realize just okay, endings are hard, endings are difficult. Well, I already knew that ahead of time, anyway, but like it made me sort of understanding of what was going on, anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I realize now that my experience, my first experience of Mass Effect was probably not the experience a lot of people had. Mm. Like I said, I played it for the first time in 2017, I played them back to back as well and I played the Citadel DLC before the ending of three so I definitely had a different experience like I don't know how I would have felt if I played three when it came out 
and mm. I had not played one and two in a while and I then there was no Citadel DLC like it's very likely because context is everything right I mean it's very likely that I, I might have been disappointed as well um yeah so I I think that's a really that's a really interesting point um as as it stands I was kind of I didn't feel completely happy about any of the choices but mm. then I kind of figured that was the point because this is you know this was never going to end well <laughs> um like you you wanted to be the hero of the galaxy or the universe or whatever but it was never going to be that easy I think the thing is as well we all sort of expected a self-sacrifice moment from Shepard anyway mm, yeah yeah I think it's yeah. just I think at that time it didn't feel earned yeah I think I think the destroy feels the best especially if yeah. you, you managed to get her to live at the end but even if she died doing it she died doing what she set out to do and that feels satisfying I don't think her taking control of the Reapers feels right for her character. It kind of, that feels like a corruption of her. Mm. And um, yeah, what happened? The synthesis one. No, that never felt right with me. I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe maybe that was a problem that some other people had with it too. I, I haven't spoken to enough people about it, but maybe they felt like Destroy was the only one that really made any sense and they tried to make it feel like it didn't make sense. And then synthesis and control we're kind of just there. Like, I, I, I could totally understand that perspective. Mm. I think as well, um, when it comes to that regard, um, oh, shit, I just completely lost my train of thought. But I think uh, when it comes to, like like you say, it it is never expected to go well. Cause like, like I said, you sort of expect Shepard to sort of make that self-sacrifice. And again, Destroy feels like the best ending of the lot. And if you're... So I... So for the original play for I did for Mass Effect 3, I don't think Shepard lives. I, mm. think, I think she died. But in the Legendary Edition, she survived that run through. And I think that makes in things interesting in regards to the future. And we'll touch upon that in a second. But I think um, in that regard, it's, I don't quite know how to sort of finish that thought. But like, again, it comes back to this sort of aspect of making a good ending and making it stick. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it comes back to, endings are hard how do you go about making a good ending basically yeah I think it has to be I I think I think you touched on this earlier but it has to be an ending that honors your choices especially Mm. if it's a choice-based game (laughs) you know um and yeah you you kind of said that you felt like the endings made your choices moot um Mm. and that's not going to be a good feeling um yeah, I think, yeah, in a choice-based game, absolutely, you, you need to honor what the, you know, the player has had options up to this point. The ending needs to honor that. Um, and it needs to have the emotional resonance as well. Maybe people felt that was kind of missing mm. from three or which is why they added the extra cutscenes probably to kind yeah. of show, well, look, this is what happened and it's okay. Um, I mean, if, if you felt like you you missed out on on seeing the consequences of your actions when the entire trilogy is about the consequences of your actions, then yes, I, I can absolutely see how that's a problem as well. Mm. Um, 
yeah, so I think good endings, um, definitely, they're definitely hard, um, but they need to honor what's come before. They need to feel like they matter and, mm. and what, what has come before matters. Mm. And um, I think they really need that emotional, that emotional resonance as well. Like you need mm. to feel, you need to feel invested in the ending. You need yeah. to feel like the payoff is there. Yeah, like the, um, like there has to be a sort of emotional payoff as well, which is why I think things like endings like um, do 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 do. Let me try and think of a few off the head, top of my head. Life is strange. Uncharted four. Metal Gear Solid three. Um, Journey. Like oh. like those games. Like they have endings, mm-hmm. regardless of co- the context. They feel and Spider Man as well. I should mention as well. Like um, Insomniac Spider Man. They have endings that feel emotional they have emotional payoffs yeah and i feel like with mass effect 3 it didn't quite get that yeah i think it's interesting actually you brought up journey um i cried at the end of journey yeah and i'm thinking back to my my experience at mass effect 3 was relief um because shepherd lived that's all i wanted (laughs) but um yeah i mean i think I don't know, I don't know where my emotions were at. I think I just, I was very wrapped up in making the right decision because the entire trilogy is about the right decision. And you're, you know, like you've come so far. Oh my God, I did not want to mess this up. I wanted to have a satisfying ending. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting because I don't know, I don't know if I was as emotionally involved as I should have been I think maybe I was just, I was thinking about, I was overthinking it to make sure that I got what I wanted. So yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. Mm. Um, And I think as well, and like, well, like this is the last that I'll touch upon on the ending anyway, but like, especially with some of the games I mentioned, they provide that sort of emotional payoff with their endings in different ways. Like for me, anyway, Metal Gear, like I basically lost myself anyway in those games anyway, in regards to the sort of, I was basically crying, but uh, with all these games anyway. But like with context, you, you get an understanding of that sort of emotional payoff anyway. Like with Metal Gear Solid Three and Life is Strange, I was crying because of grief. Mm. Um, with Uncharted Four, I was crying with happiness because like you get to see this sort of payoff with the tricks, and you see them sort of make do not make do but you get to see that happy ending yeah and and journey journeys one is the hardest to explain but like yeah like like you say i i cried at that as well but like it feels even more powerful when you finish the game going through the light or going through the gates or whatever with someone else rather than just by by yourself yeah i i think that is one of the best examples of um like a multiplayer co-op you know it's not it's all about cooperation and, and, and it's all, it's very beautiful. <laughs> it's a very different experience playing with, with someone else. Um, yeah. And that ending, that ending is, is euphoric like mm. for, for want of a better word, you know, I mean, Oh God, what a gorgeous game. <laughs> <laughs> Love journey. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it in the, in the end, basically. <laughs> um. So yeah, Legendary Edition came out earlier this year. We both played it. We both love it, basically. Um, like I think that's sort of the best way to sort of describe it anyway, because it's just basically Mass Effect, but with everything sort of brought together except Pinnacle Station, because Bioware lost the source code. Um, uh, 
I, I felt really good going back to play that game and just sort of exploring those sort of feelings again, just sort of revisiting the games again, especially because they made so many um, improvements and quality of life aspects like to, to every game, especially Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 1 feels like a remake in a way without actively being a remake, but mm. it borders, it straddles the line between remaster and remake. And I think what happened there was just, I think the work in that is just beyond incredible. And I, also they sort of bring it back to the start of the episode. Like um, it feels a lot more actionly now than full on RPG in a way. Um, it, it just sort of makes everything feel cohesive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think even, is it my imagination or did the Mako get easier to drive? Yes! <laughs> I didn't flip upside down so much. Like you're still flipping upside down and it's still finicky, but it's not as finicky as it was when playing it on Xbox 360 anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I totally agree. It is. It feels very cohesive and... Um, I had a very different experience with Legendary Edition than I had before because I decided, I think I said this before, but I decided to do a full Renegade run. Um, and because I I'd always felt I always felt too guilty picking the mean options before. <laughs> but this time I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care. My shepherd's in a bad mood the whole time. She doesn't care who you are. So I did it. Um, I think there were some times when I had to choose Paragon if I wanted something to happen, like for Morden, for example. But yeah, I played Renegade all the way through and I had a blast. I had no idea how much fun it is to play Renegade. Like, she's so sarcastic and she's so sassy and she just doesn't give a shit. It's just, oh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was very, like, very fulfilling. <laughs> it, it, feels, awesome. it feels like when, when you're playing as a, as, a, as a Renegade, it just feels like a totally different shepherd, basically. Yeah, but I mean, like, like I said before, it's still true to her. Like, it's mm. her, it's her at her worst, but it's still her, and I love that because they really like. I think they spent a lot of time and love on her character and defining her morals because, obviously, as Paragon, she's got a very strict, you know, uh, moral compass. Um, but but she's she's not the goody goody. Like I said, you mm. know, she's um. She's her own person and, and, you know, you either catch her at her best or you catch her at her worst, but it's still her. I love that. I, I yeah, she's such a great character. <laughs> um, so, Elephant in the Room, Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> I... Uh, I clearly love it from <laughs> from your tone. It was your favorite, right? <laughs> clearly, my favorite. It's, it's my favorite game ever. It's my favorite game in the Mass Effect series. I, I it. love it. So good. Oh, oh, oh. what happened? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think I think it probably got an unfair amount of hate because I think it was up against impossible odds, like everyone loves the Mass Effect trilogy, even if they hated the ending, they love the Mass Effect trilogy. Mm. And it had so much to live up to, but yeah, I um, I only played it once, really sorry, um, for, if anyone's listening who worked on it. But um, yeah, I only played it once, um, and I think I was asking too much from that game as well, because I wanted the Mass Effect nostalgia. Mm. And, um, 
and Andromeda was fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that, that game was fun. Um, but I didn't feel for it or for its characters the way I did with the trilogy. Mm. Um, I don't think the emotional connections were there um, to the same extent. Some of the characters, some of the characters were very, very good, but they weren't, <laughs> maybe I'm asking for too much, but that they, they didn't have that same, um, warmth that you know that that the other characters did and, and they didn't capture my imagination in the same way mm-hmm. and neither did the storyline it did the stakes did not feel high and I don't always need high stakes to enjoy a story <laughs> but but it's just it didn't feel I don't know I think you just basically nailed why Andromeda just did not sit right with me it's not necessarily to say it's a bad game it's just mm-hmm. It was basically a, you know, I don't know if I would even say boring game, but I would say it was definitely unappealing, for the lack of a better word, because, like, I didn't feel connected with these characters, certainly a lot more so than I did with the Mass Effect trilogy anyway, with the Shepard trilogy. I didn't feel as sort of tied in, connected, and invested to these characters in the story with Mass Effect Andromeda than I did mm-hmm. Mass Effect uh, 1, 2, and 3. And that, and, and like, the gameplay itself was good. It was, it was, it was very good, the gameplay, the, the, moment, the moment gameplay of the, the, the action stuff and uh, was good. And, like, you know, running on Frostbite, like, it looked incredible, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, it... Uh, it takes two to tango in terms of having this sort of cohesive mix of gameplay and story. And while the gameplay was great, it was just, it was just sort of the narrative and story elements that sort of let the side down, basically, in, in yeah. regards to Andromeda. I remember there were parts that I liked, for sure. Like, um, the Remnant gameplay was always kind of fun, like figuring out those puzzles, and it was very beautiful. And I remember um, the character that I remember, the companion character I remember the most was PB. Mm. I think it's PB, right? Yeah, yeah. um, Asari. And she was fun, but I think, and this might be unfair because maybe I didn't, I didn't give their individual storylines enough of enough attention, but um, they didn't feel as nuanced or as detailed. Like she felt, she was fun for who she was, but she felt a little flat, you know, she was kind of, she was the fun sassy one. And and that was kind of it. Um, Mm. And maybe there was more to her that I missed, but yeah I it was it was lacking the connection for me for sure and I you know I think I feel bad for that team because they had so much like they knew everyone was going to make these comparisons Mm. they they could not escape these comparisons so like it was almost like they were set up to fail from the beginning like they you know I don't I don't know how (laughs) um have they managed that pressure um because yeah, they, they weren't allowed to be their own thing. Like mm. they they had to compete with something everyone already loved. And yeah, that's, that's rough. Um yeah, I think there are parts of it that were definitely great. It was definitely fun gameplay, like you said. Though there were these, oh my god, I don't remember what they were called, but they had these enemies that were kind of they were floating in these orbs. They were so damn hard to kill. <laughs> I just remember being so frustrated <laughs> every time I encountered one of them. But um, yeah, I remember it being fun. But if I'm going to replay a Mass Effect, it's going to be one of the originals. Mm. I think I think we just sort of got to basically why Andromeda just sort of 
I don't want to say bombed, but I think for the lack of a, again, the lack of a better word, like it failed because like in comparison to Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, is that it had an albatross tied to it, like mm-hmm. in regards to the narrative and the characters. It feels like, was it ever going to live up to anything that was done like in the 10 odd years after Mass Effect 1 came out and the games that came after it? And of course, that, like as we've sort of alluded to there, the answer was no. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that they were under. And I think as well, like I said before, I think it got an unfair amount of hate. Like, mm-hmm. um, there were definitely legitimate criticisms to make, but people wanted Mass Effect 4, basically, you know? And um, they were really mad <laughs> that they didn't get it. Uh, yeah, I mean- I, I, I understand why they made that sort of separation from, mm-hmm. from the trilogy. Like just yeah. to sort of make that for a start. But I feel like at the same time as well, there was too much of a sort of connection made as part of those three games to sort of mm-hmm. get rid of with Andromeda anyway. Yeah, I think as well, um, the character of writer for me just did not hit the same way Shepard did. And again, like, you know, that's not fair for me to want Shepard. Um, but yeah, I just, I think... I think writer felt like more of a blank slate to me. Her, her person, well, again, I play female writer. Um, her personality didn't feel as defined mm. as Shepard. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it's interesting because I think I, I played it in the early days. I played it when it was first released and it suffered a lot with them. Um, a lot, there were a lot of bugs and, you know, I don't blame any game for that. Like they got them sorted out and it, I'm sure it runs beautifully now. But um, because it was, under the microscope and it was getting so much hate there were all these like memes made as well of like bad animations and stuff and uh yeah i i feel i feel bad for for that team because mm. um you know that's that's pretty rough but um yeah it was it didn't live up to the original trilogy mm. um and maybe it was too much to hope that it would because like you said it did try to remove itself from that but I do um I did really love they had some recordings didn't they from Liara in that mm. game and um kind of connecting some some things that had happened before um and I I loved I loved that I love that little throwback yeah I think there are some some cool parts for sure um but yeah mm. in the end <laughs> Um, it's not my favorite Mass Effect game. <laughs> let's just say that. I, I don't think it's going to be at the top of anyone's Mass Effect list. Let's let's be honest. Mm. But but mm. I was but to give to give Andromeda some credit here, it it does feel like there is still going to be a massive element of Andromeda as part of the next game because ma- ma- the next Mass Effect game is coming, and we saw the trailer from the Game Awards last year as of recording this and like um like it seems like now they're going to bring both the andromeda and shepherd sort of arcs together basically and like that 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 in itself does feel very exciting especially seeing some of the characters again like we know we saw the n7 insignia we saw the re- the, the sort of uh, abandoned frozen reaper and we saw what is more than like liara but we did mm-hmm. see the sort of Andromeda Galaxy aspect as well. Um, like, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens next. 
I don't know if we'll necessarily see it for a long time yet because like mm-hmm. Bioware is obviously focused on the next Dragon Age game, even though we've got several teams going at once. But like, what, what, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Oh, God. I think the safest thing is to not hope. <laughs> that, that, that is sound advice. Um, I mean, I was shocked to see they're making this game. I freaked out about the trailer. It's beautiful. And then I, I, I stepped away from it. I didn't read any more about it. I was like, they're going to make something gorgeous, I'm sure. I think that they will probably learn a lot from Andromeda. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, this game can, can help Andromeda because it's very likely people might replay it. Um, in a few years time and be like you know what this game didn't deserve the hate um so yeah but I'm 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 very excited but I'm I'm gonna try as much as I can to go into it like completely blank slate like just you know no expectations just show me full-on media blackout (laughs) yeah exactly I mean that's gonna be hard because it's gonna be everywhere but um yeah it's like I I always try to do that when I'm very excited about a game I just, I want no expectations for it, even though that's kind of impossible, but you know, because you're going to get what you're going to get. And I don't, (laughs) I don't kind of want to labor it with, with hopes and dreams before I get to experience it. So. Mm. No, definitely. (laughs) Um, So what else do you like about Mass Effect 3 that we've not touched upon tonight? Okay, so this is going to sound dumb. <laughs> but There is of, no dumb opinion on this show. One there of my no. favourite things about Mass Effect 3 is the Reaper sound. Oh it's my so god! It's so good! I mean, when they pop up in, in systems that you were in, and you have to fly out as soon as you can, and you hear, Bawr. oh my god, it freaked me out every single time. No matter how many times it happened, I would freak out. I love it. It's just... They, I mean, the Reapers, the threat of the Reapers was already like so big. Um, that probably helped <laughs> a lot, but the sound, that's an iconic sound as far as I It think. is an iconic sound. You hear it near enough every trailer for Mass Effect 1 and 2. Yeah. And, and it just sort of scratches a massive itch in my head. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I love this. It's, it's such a weird, nerdy, dorky thing they, they sort of gush about. But I get it. I yeah. get it because I'm also that person. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I even like, <laughs> if I'm going in systems, I'll scan a few times to be like, see if I can get one. And bah, like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, and then on a slightly more serious note, <laughs> um, I, I think the dreams were super interesting. Mm. Mass Effect 3. Um, it was a really interesting tonal shift for, for the game because like, Aside from the suicide mission, I think one and two were more lighthearted games than three. Three was pretty dark. Mm. Um, like a kid dies in front of you <laughs> in the first 10 minutes. Um, so I think, yeah, you have the dreams about this child in the fire. You have this slow motion through the dark forest. You have the, like, there are these wisps all around you and they're whispering. And it's just, yeah, the first time I played it and I saw one of these dreams, maybe like sit up, like what is going on now? <laughs> like, what is this? Um, but yeah, I think it really added to the darkness of um, Mass Effect 3 and kind of, it was a really nice look at Shepard's mental state mm. and the pressure that she was under. So yeah, 
I thought they were very cool. Like <laughs> mm. I, I, again, like we sort of alluded to it there, like uh, earlier, it was it was basically a survivor skill, basically, and yeah. she's sort of and she's sort of feeling through that, especially in the dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I thought they were very cool and and separated the game a lot from the previous two. Mm. No, definitely. Um, what didn't you like about the game? So, um, something that is not a problem anymore in Legendary Edition, but mm. something I didn't like was um, how you can affect your readiness rating with multiplayer. Mm, fuck, I had actually forgotten about multiplayer. Mm. I'd actually forgotten, like... I should have put that on my notes. How did I forget <laughs> So yeah, I actually I never played the multiplayer. Um, and I I was playing Mass Effect 3. Um, and my friend was like, okay, 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 you know, you can't hatch up at survive if you don't do multiplayer. You can't. It's the only way. Um, you have to get a usually affects your readiness rating, blah blah. And it's like, but I don't want to play the multiplayer, you know. So I I was kind of like I was stressed, and um I I did literally every side mission I could before I went back to Earth. So I was like, I need to get my readiness rating as high as possible. And I didn't know what was going to be good enough. So I just, I did everything. I did everything. I was full Paragon all the time, super nice to everybody. <laughs> and um, amazingly, it ended up um, being enough. My friend was gobsmacked. She was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you have to do blood flare. But yeah, I managed to get uh, Shepherd alive at the end without doing it. But yeah, I thought that was kind of unfair because, um, you know, I mean, it's fine if it's a multiplayer game, but Mass Effect is not a multiplayer game. That was a multiplayer component. Mm. And I don't think, I don't know, it felt like it had suddenly become a requirement. I guess, obviously it isn't because I managed to get away without doing it. But yeah, it, it, it was something, I'm glad that they removed that from Legendary Edition. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, multiplayer in Mass Effect Three is actually genuinely really good, and actually, sort of like, like it, it's again, it, it does make sense because of the sort of readiness aspect. But in its own right, it's really, really good, and I can't recommend it enough. But I also understand why you you wouldn't want to play it because, like, I, I'm I'm a single player person as well. Like, I don't really go and delve too much into multiplayer stuff unless it's that good like things like splatoon or even overwatch mm. like those are sort of the rare exceptions but like um i i, I do get it but it, for what it is worth mass effect freeze multiplayer is really really good so i, I definitely oh, okay. yeah I, I must try it then because um yeah i think for me like i like multiplayer games but for me it was like i have not this is a single player experience Mm. And suddenly it isn't anymore. <laughs> I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was something that annoyed me. Mm. It, it, um, it doesn't feel tacked on. I don't put it like that. Okay, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think the only other thing that annoyed me, and it wasn't really a big annoyance, but we touched on this before. That's Samantha Trainer. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of found it annoying how you don't really know you're locked into a romance until it's too late. Mm um because like i said when i played renegade i was a right renegade and i was <laughs> i was going around to everybody because i wanted to see how many romances i could have at one time <laughs> um but yeah i found myself locked into the samantha trainer romance and i mean to be fair she warned me and she's got that line where she says i played for keeps but i was like whatever that's just a line no it's not <laughs> but yeah i was like i wish <laughs> i wish i had known 
the lock-in point before because yeah I had gone too far in the game it was too late for me to go back <laughs> oh dear yeah. I, think, I think I think that's sort of another thing that's yeah yeah I think now that you've mentioned because I never really picked up on it before and to be fair I don't think I really had that many romance interests in the Mass Effect series because there was only one really for me and that was Chambers Oh, and of even then, she wasn't an official love interest. <laughs> she was yours. <laughs> she was mine, Janet, by the way. She was mine. Um, what would you change from a design point of view, then? Or I guess from a narrative standpoint of view, then? Oh, wow. What would I change? I feel like um, maybe it's just me being greedy, back to the romance, but <laughs> I would like more romance options available depending on, no, or, sorry, I would like the romance options not to be limited based on um, what gender you played as, because I feel like I missed out on some people. But um, I think though, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, did they make everybody romanceable by anybody for Andromeda? I also can't remember for the life of me. Yeah, because I think they did because they, they want everyone to have the choice. But then, funnily enough, it kind of felt, I felt like it didn't work. Because, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, it felt like it felt like it was just open season on everybody. <laughs> because, like, you're, you're already popular as, you know, the protagonist. Like, no one's going to say no to you. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think maybe for, um, I think one, I might, I would want to change some things in one to allow for that to build a bit more. Because, like I said, with Liara, she's with you straight away. Mm. But um, for three, oh, actually, something that I would change. I was very surprised. I, I before we talked, I looked up the DLCs mm. because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss any. And I did not know. That from Ashes with Javik is DLC. Mm. I thought that was part of the main game. And I am amazed it isn't. So that is something I think, I mean, I think Javik is very important, like hugely important. And I can't imagine the game without him. I mean, you have someone who's seen the destruction before and, you know, he's kind of, he's stuck up, but he's also incredibly lonely as the last of his kind. And yeah, I, I, I think he's so interesting. I was shocked. I can't imagine Mass Effect 3 without Javik. So yeah, that, that should have been main game, I think. Mm, and, I, th- I, um, think I think you only get a code with the collector's edition, but um, otherwise you have to pay to get that DLC, at least from the Xbox 360 anyway. Wow, wow. And I think as well, um, Leviathan. Mm. I mean, that's <laughs> like, I mean, it's very, this is very cool DLC content, but I'm like, how is that not part of the main game? Because like, it freaked me out because I'm not a fan of deep water <laughs> mm. and I had to like psych myself up to play that part, but it ends up being really beautiful. And, and like, it was very important for like the lore, I think, of the Reapers and understanding where they came from. Yeah. I, mm. I mean, I think they should be part of the main narrative Mm. but yeah I think yeah the narrative is so incredibly complex I would love to see how they did it I would love to see the charts that they had (laughs) to like try to you know keep track of everybody because yeah I can't imagine so complex it's Mm. yeah really is uh 
champions, champions, all of them. It's such a feat. <laughs> I'm so glad that you actually mentioned how those DLCs were basically DLCs rather than part of the main game. I can't, like, because again, especially Javik uh, from Ashes, like... I can't get over it. I, re- I was like, there's no way that was DLC. <laughs> it was available day one as well, like, at the launch of the game. I mean, and, like... It's important. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think you, you, he adds so much to the Reaper storyline. Mm. Like, it does. It really does. <laughs> Bombshell. Bombshell. Yeah. Um, so, how would you rate the trilogy? Three at the top, but what would be second and third? Uh, two and one. Yeah. Simple enough. Yeah. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, I think. Um, I really liked. Like, I liked Mass Effect 1 as well, of course, um, but Mass Effect 2, oh mm. my god. Like, that game, that game, I think that game is a classic all by itself, you know? If you didn't play 1 or 3, you just played 2. <laughs> um, I mean, and not even, not even because of, just because of the suicide mission, although obviously that's huge, but, like, the game starts with you being, like, blown out into space and dying. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, how does it... <laughs> How does it start off so strong? How do you follow that? <laughs> I know, right? And like the elusive master character. And um, I really enjoyed telling him to shut up when I was playing his record. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mass Effect 2 is, is so fantastic that it has to go above Mass Effect 1. It just mm. has to. Yeah. No, that, that's totally fair. Um, um, and then just out of general curiosity, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this question, but what would, how would you rank? top three Bioware games. So Mass Effect 3 at the top, but what would be two and three there, just out of curiosity? Um, so this is very embarrassing, but I have not played any of the Dragon Ages. Ooh. I know! Um, they're, on, they're on my list for a long time. So I, I think if I played them, I know I would love them. Everyone tells me I would love them. I have to get around to playing them. But um, yeah, I don't think I can do more. I can't do more rankings. So Play those ones. But yeah, okay. they're on my list, my ever-growing list of games. To be fair, my background is just basically gone at this point, so I totally get your feelings. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> <gasps>
Yes, honorable mentions. Go for it. Yes, so honorable mentions. Um, I would say The Last of Us um, and uh, the Hitman games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's funny because I chose. So I chose Mass Effect Three as my favorite game for this podcast. Um, even though I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite game like ever, but well, I mean, so the reason why I chose it was I think it's had the biggest one of the biggest impacts on me when it comes to what game stories can do. Um, like the way all the different threads are woven together and like how your choices in the first come back into play in the second and third, like, and how you can have totally different experiences, different characters, like that is incredible. Um, but I think the game that also did that for me on a linear level was The Last of Us because um, that, really also showed me what video game stories can be. Um, I, I love part two as well, but part one especially had the biggest impact on me because of the ending. Mm. And we were talking about endings and how important they are and how difficult they are. Um, like the ambiguity of that ending is so good. And I, even though I loved part two, I was like, I know having a part two is going to take away a little bit from part one because um, yeah, the ambiguity of that ending was everything. And also kind of the horror as you realize that Joe is not a good person even if you understand him and you're maybe even you're on his side or like worse if you don't understand him and and you kind of have no choice but to watch <laughs> watch what he does because yeah I thought it was so interesting the way it played with your emotions because you were rooting for this person the whole way through and then you know game stories are, are a great medium because you're an active participant you're not passive like you would be with you know, a movie or a TV show. So, but in this case, maybe you don't even want to be an active participant. <laughs> like you, you just, it, it just, it flips the switch on you and, 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 and it's incredible. So yeah, it, it's, that game is another one that kind of showed me the power behind um, game stories before I got into the industry. Mm. Yeah. And um, for, so for Hitman, um, I would consider Hitman my favorite game series. So I couldn't just <laughs> choose one game to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think what makes Hitman so cool, I mean, I love the gameplay of Hitman because I love stealth gameplay, but I love its identity as a series and how it builds upon itself and how it builds on the relationship that 47 has to his own identity and mm. like to Diana and the ICA. But we see him like struggle and grow as someone raised in trauma and unable to reject it. And then we see that build throughout all the Hitman games, like over the course of, of 20 years, I think it's so well done. And it's, it's so delicate because it's all in the background. Like you have these huge sandboxes to play in and have loads of fun. And if you want, you can run around and slap everyone in the face with a fish. But like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's for me, it's about the character um, and the, the really interesting nuance that character has. Yeah, I love it. I know they're on 007 now, but I can't wait to see what they do with more Hitman because there's a lot of potential there, I think. Mm. I still need to finish Hitman 3. Uh, uh, to my utter shame, I still need to finish it. I'm glad I didn't give you any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love, um, I loved what they did initially with Hitman one back when it was an episodic release, but Hitman two, especially Miami. Oh, Miami. Oh, yes. Miami is so, such a standout level. It just, mm, 
it, it, it makes me think of the sort of immersive gameplay that you would find in an arcane game now with mm-hmm. Dishonored or or more recently Deathloop. And but, <laughs> oh, it, it's so good. It's so good. Um, but with Hitman, I feel it feels like Miami is the culmination of everything it's learned over the past when whenever Hitman, the original Hitman came out up to that point anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. 2017 Hitman 2 came out and so nearly now on 20 odd years at that point and I feel like my I say Miami but like there are other several great missions and worlds in that game but like especially Miami mm. it feels like for me that is just a top tier all-time level in any game in any genre just the amount of choice, the amount of agency that you have in that level is just oh, so good. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect example for how you can manipulate the environment and the events, like in so many different ways. There's so many choices, like you said. I mean, you don't even have to, like, you can wait for the race to finish, and then you, like Sierra gets a whole other different route. It's like oh, it's so good. I think I think Miami and um, I love Sapienza. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the first one, Sapienza is probably my favorite because I think it's the it's the best realized town. I mean, that feels like a real place. So you're mm-hmm. just walking around your place. But yeah, the crowds in Miami and the little parties in the different area. I mean, there's so yeah, there's so many possibilities in Miami. I think you could never stop playing Miami. <laughs> you can play it forever and have a different way to complete it every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. At the risk of putting somewhat words in your mouth there i would figure that there would be another series that would get at least an honorable mention here and that's tomb raider oh <laughs> it's true i know i was thinking that i was like i talked about tomb raider so much at the start. <laughs> um so yeah i think what i have noticed about myself and my play style is um i tend to favor games that have a lot of replay value mm. um like i replay um hitman a lot obviously um, and also like things like Mass Effect and like The Witcher 3 or something, you know, where 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 your choices matter. And while I love I love linear games, it's funny, I probably would consider myself to prefer linear games, but um, I don't replay them as much because for mm. me, it's kind of like it's kind of like a movie experience. It's know? a one and done type thing. Exactly. So while I love the Tomb Raider games, I don't tend to replay them, even though I, I wish I could replay Legends, but, but um, I don't tend to replay them because like I've had the experience, you know, mm. what I mean? and, and then that's it. But mm. um, actually, the other day I was really wishing I could play the reboot again, like the first one, but I can't. It was only on PS3. I don't have it anymore. But um, yeah, because I remember that was a lot of fun. I mean, of course, the other two are as well, but there were like certain locations in that one that were a lot of fun that I would like to revisit. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, the Tomb Raider games are great. I don't know how, what I would pick as a favorite. Maybe it would be Legends. <laughs> I'd have to replay Legends again to know for sure. I might hate it now. I just played it so long ago and I remember loving it. But um, yeah, they, they are games that I don't return to as much as I return to other games, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that actually does make sense. Um, you do know the first Tomb Raider game of the reboot is actually on the newer gen consoles now as well. No, is it? It's on PS5. 
Oh, sorry, not PS5 and Xbox. PS4 and Xbox One. It's on PS4? Oh, my God. Okay, I might buy it. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought it was I thought it was only PS... Oh, my God. Okay, that's happening. <laughs> it came out... I think it came out, like, a little less than two years after the original PS3 60 version. Did they remaster it? They did. Well, well, well. Okay, thank you so much. I am finding <laughs> that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'm going to get to replay. <laughs> um, feels like you're going to mention another game there, just as I was about to say Tomb Raider. What was it? So I'm going to... Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, Dishonored games. Oh. So I again have to admit they're on my back. <laughs> Yeah, because I every time I tell people, oh, I really like stealth games, they're like, oh, you must love Dishonored. It's like, mm, I haven't played it yet. But yeah. Someday. Well, in, in, in that regard, then, what about Metal Gear? Oh, yeah. So I played, I haven't played all of them. I've played four and five. Mm. Um, I really, really, well, okay. I really, really liked half of five. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you played it? I, I've played everything. Okay. everything so, so yeah I know where you're coming from I don't know. yeah I'm just I I really I was so into it and then like why does the second half of the game just repeat itself like it's literally what I mean I, I was sitting there like what happened I mean this can't be right they're just giving me the exact same missions but putting some different parameters on them like the exact same missions the exact same I was just like this, why did they why did they make why did they do this <laughs> i was so disappointed i mean i know i well i i heard the, the controversies and and you know that there were some kojima konami issues um towards the end of production so but yeah i was just i was loving the game and then suddenly you know it kind of stopped mattering because mm. it was just yeah it felt unfinished mm. i was sad <laughs> But I did, I really, really enjoyed the gameplay. Um, love having Quiet as a companion. She was the best. Mm. Yeah, it was cool. It was good stuff. It was fun. <laughs> what were your thoughts on 4, out of curiosity? So I liked 4, but I didn't, I, I think I only played it once. I, hey. I, I, I it was like, it, I don't know. It was kind of, um, it was weird. It was, it was kind of like, it felt like it took itself too seriously at times. And oh, yeah. Times, and then other times, not seriously enough. <laughs> it was like, what, what is this game's identity? Um, and um, I mean, the boss fights were quite cool, though. I remember mm. running, down, running down car doors away from those, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I liked four, but um, I don't think. I might have replayed it once, but yeah, I I played five a lot. Um, yeah, I, I preferred five. Mm. I I I need to stress like I liked five a lot, but looking back in hindsight, the story can be. Uh, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, sorry, I should I should <laughs> I should clarify. It wasn't the story that brought me back. <laughs> no, 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 no. Gameplay wise, it's the best stealth game of all time for me like gameplay yeah. wise story wise and like i said four yeah. four i feel like four has not aged well with me four, mm. so four was my game of the year the year it came out 2008 and it is the most excited i've 
ever been for a game ever, I would say. And I think I think it's I think it's still a good game. I still think it's a good game, but I think some story elements do not hold up very well, especially the end of that game. I feel like now I can look back on it and go, yeah, that was manipulation. And mm. like maybe maybe that was what Kojima intended, but I don't quite know if that was such a good move. Mm. And yeah, I think that's sort of why Metal Gear Solid 4 has just sort of gone down in my estimates. But whereas Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 3 especially still holds up for me. Like, like I'm not going to get into the whole thing about Metal Gear Solid 3. I've talked so much about Metal Gear Solid 3 <laughs> and why it means so much to me anyway, personally and professionally. But Metal Gear, but that and Metal Gear Solid 2 still holds up, especially now as we're recording this. Metal Gear Solid 2 is about a month out from its 20th anniversary and i saw a tweet mm. actually today from kojima marking the fact that it's been 20 years since metal gear solid 2 oh. and it still holds up not just gameplay wise oh. but my god has that story aged perfectly especially the themes of that game wow okay yeah i must um I keep yeah it's what it's it's a series that i mean to give more time to because i am kind of fascinated by like this huge sprawling storyline and how I mean I, I tried to like figure out the the, the best order to play in because I know it jumps around in time an awful lot mm. but yeah I, I I hear a lot of people talk about three as well with a lot of love um yeah I must uh put it on the back <laughs> there's not enough time <laughs> There's never enough time in the world. Like, Jesus, I still, I, I'm already building the backlog as it is, and that's just 2021 games. <laughs> I dread to think what I have going from before 2021. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so, considering what you said earlier about Mass Effect 3 not necessarily being your favorite game ever and all that there, but <laughs> which means we should probably re record this episode. No. With that in mind. <laughs> No, I two, think my head two and a half hours down the drain. <laughs> no, I mean, so yeah, I, 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 I kind of, um, well, yeah, I, my problem is I can't make choices. <laughs> so, I mean, like in terms of a choice based game, yes, but then you know, there are games that are so dear to my heart, like The Last of Us but that's a very different kind of game. You know what I mean? Like, it's impossible. Who can? Who has one favourite game? <laughs> I do, apparently. It okay. is The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, The Last of Us is amazing. Okay. Uh, but, but, but also before that, it was Metal Gear Solid 3, so it can uh, change. It can yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, bearing those sort of factors in mind, top three games ever, what would they be? <laughs> Oh my god, no, I just said I can't make choices. (laughs) I asked it at the end anyway, so I have to ask it anyway. Mass Effect 3 at the top anyway. (laughs) What would be second and third? Jesus. (laughs) I mean, like, I need an hour and a spreadsheet to decide this. Um, okay, okay. Okay. Um, The Last of Us obviously, and 
I'm going to say Hitman Silent Assassin. Oh. With the caveat that <laughs> it's it's fighting for it's that position with all the other Hitman games. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I can't do I don't know. I don't know. Just take my first answer because I'm gonna change my mind. <laughs> Oh, that's a perfectly good answer. Like, why Silent Assassin anyway? So, I think Silent Assassin really captures the heart of the series. Um, like, it's a globe-trotting adventure. You've got like twenty. I think there's twenty levels in it, um, going all around the world. But um, it's also kind of the first time they really delve into Forty Seven's character because it's the second game. Like in the first game, he's very much a blank slate, but then when we meet him in this game, he's in a church, like trying to figure out who he is because he's just found out about his past and that he was like, you know, engineered. And so it's really interesting look into his humanity and he's kind of asking like, you know, why would God care about me? Like, you know, I, I, I he didn't even make me. It's just, it's so sad, it's heartbreaking. And it's funny because Hitman games don't take themselves too seriously either. But then there are times when they really, really like, they get to the heart of something, you know? It was just, yeah, I think it's a very, it's a beautiful game in the way it kind of looks at his humanity and the, how he rejects it all in the end. Mm. Um, like he throws everything away at the end. It's sad. And um, it's also a very fun game. Like the gameplay is really fun. Um, it's a very tense game too, because like back then the AI was super twitchy. So they'd shoot you for literally no reason. <laughs> um, so you kind of have to like, you have to walk around like very, very chill all the time. Whereas now in the in the more modern games, you can run and no one will, will blink an eye. But in those games, if you run, the guards will like stop and take out their guns. <laughs> so you kind of, it's a very tense game to play. And the stealth is an awful lot of fun. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's a good, it's a good adventure, that game. I like it. <laughs> So I feel like now is a good way to lock in that top three. Mass Effect, three, Last of Us, and Hitman Blood Money. No, Silent Assassin. Oh, Silent Assassin. Don't change my mind for me. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) That money's brilliant as well, though. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't know why I said Blood Money. I don't know why. Everyone says Blood Money, actually. Most people I talk to, Blood Money is their favorite. And it's like, you're, yeah, I mean, it is great, but... Think about that Simon Assassin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't I don't know where I got blood money from. <laughs> and I love how basically the Irish just came out there when I just basically said blood money and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you have to get it right. <laughs> if I have to choose, my choices have to matter. <laughs> on twitter um it's at ifa O'Friel. um and yeah feel free to pop in and say hi and chat about games <laughs> I, I retweet a lot more than i post so i should probably change that <laughs> make sure people actually 
have something to engage with. But uh, yeah, I'm mostly I'm mostly on Twitter. That's where I am usually. <laughs> If off real, what is your favorite game? My favorite game is Mass Effect 3. You wait seven years to do a Mass Effect episode, and then all of a sudden, in the space of a year, two episodes come along on two of the games in the trilogy. It's, it's, I don't know what that's about, but I'm, I'm honestly here for it. They're like bosses. <laughs> They are like bosses. They are very much like bosses. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to My Favourite Game, a podcast by PlayDiaries.com where people from the games industry come on to talk of their favourite game. If you want to listen to future episodes of My Favourite Game, as well as press play before they go live publicly on PlayDiaries and other podcast platforms, please consider becoming a $2 tier podcast early access patron to your Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. Next week, Alana Lanier on Pikmin 3. And here's a small taste of what to expect from Nat and the rest of the season to come. Until next week, bye-bye. It's got this three line of capitalism bad, and then like the current Ratchet and Clank games are, we are capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh no, what's happened? Gameplay-wise, game design-wise, it feels ahead. It's not even close. And also it controls, everything is better. It's just, it's just, there's nothing wrong with that game. <laughs> I'm talking maybe three weeks after I finally saved up enough points and they made it a tenth of the price it used to be. And I was like, right, that's it. All that work for that, just to be undermined. No, it's not only a game. You're, you're too deep in these characters to be, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing together for. She's all fighting demons. I'm like, you know, she's doing the same thing. I was like, I'm gonna, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> I would spend hours just perfecting this microsecond time management, resource management, putting these there and then we go there. I love it. You know what? <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud, it's not that different from Dark Souls. Each of these like narratives that we've attached to the different difficulty levels is just a little character study on, you know, on the team boss and, you know, just like you unraveling the layers of them slowly. Uh, so it's 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 really there's some really interesting use of a combination of design and messing with players' expectations through theming, which I think is really interesting. They went down the road of yes, let the player have different ways to achieve their goals. So you can definitely talk your way into a place, or fight people, or or sneak around and find a different way in, or like in the Divinity games, there's almost too much player agency because there's really weird things you could do. This is hot take, but I do think it's the best way I can convey how much kind of opportunity there was at the time for what it was, which was essentially a virtual pet game. 
I loved it because obviously it's gone harking back to those days of like classic couch co-op split screen. So I could play it with someone else and they had their own character and I miss that. I miss couch co-op split screen so, so much. I think that was the first time whereas I, I spent, I don't know, a good hour waiting for a random multiplayer person to help, help me because I was like, I can't fucking do this. My favorite game. 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 My favorite game is 